Hello, everyone. Welcome to a somewhat new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. We're coming to you uh, from our new uh, recording studio with the Fountainhead Network based in beautiful Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, Canada, where, where I live. And uh, we're very uh, happy to uh, be in our new studio here. And uh, I know Christian's very happy as well. You can just they can feel you can the positive energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And speaking of new, who's the guest today? The, <laughs> our new guest never, never has been on the show before is Ian Patterson. He is the founder and CEO at uh, Pluralock, um, an organization uh, based in Victoria, uh, Canada. But as he, I believe he has said um, before, you know, pretty much all companies are, are virtual these days, especially in the, in the security space. So we're looking forward to having him on the show. It's going to be an absolutely incredible conversation. So we will take a momentary pause here and we'll have him come on board. Let's do it. Ian, thank you so much for joining us in the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, very excited to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, for starters, again, I, I know you, <laughs> but uh, just in case our, our audience uh, is, isn't familiar with you, I wonder if you could just share a little bit about your personal narrative, your career narrative, uh, what brought you to where you are today. Tell us more about Pluralock. Maybe we'll just start there. I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I think we, we've gotten to, we, we, I know we've talked a bunch of times, but uh, really it's like our, we're, we're two ships passing in the night on LinkedIn. Uh, so I've been I've been keeping track of of, of everything you guys are doing uh, on LinkedIn and, and probably vice versa. So um, Ian L. Patterson, CEO at Pluralock. Pluralock is a cybersecurity company. Um, originally, uh, we were we were headquartered in Victoria, uh, Canada. Uh, now I think, as most companies are, we're we're entirely remote. We're entirely global, uh, and uh, um, and so it's it's hard to to tie us down to any one specific location. Um, my background has actually been predominantly data analytics and functionally using data to solve business problems. Um, Pluralock is actually the same thing. We're using data to solve business problems. Only those business problems are cybersecurity ones. And specifically, we use human behavior as a form of authentication. Uh, and so we look at how you type on the keyboard, how you move a mouse. These form uh, what, what Gartner calls passive biometrics. And um, incidentally, Gartner just named us as a representative vendor for passive biometrics. And so we use that capability as a form of authentication. So think of um, the analogy I like to use is if you think of a house, uh, most people have a front door on their house. Think of that front door like a, like a login and password equivalent. Right. So in the analogy, you have a login and password to get into your, your into your computer system. In the house analogy, you've got a front door. Well, the question is, what happens if you circumvent that front door? If you break a window, you go around that front door and you still end up in the house. Well, in the analogy, Pluralock is like having a motion sensor inside the house that can identify who you are based on how you move. Now, practically speaking, uh, so that's the house analogy, practically speaking, um, we have software that runs on a desktop or a laptop or a virtual session, and we're doing that continuous identity assurance. And so typical customer for us would be, you know, somebody who has a lot of sensitive data, a lot of sensitive systems that they're trying to protect. Uh, so think of a bank or think of a pension fund or think of a financial institution, right? They all have sensitive data, and it's not enough just to have uh, a login and password, or it's in a lot of cases, it's not enough even to have multi-factor authentication you still need some additional security. So that's that's functionally what we're up to. I think the, some of the, the recent highlights for us, we closed out uh, 2021 with about 36 million of revenue. Um, so it's just been, it's been a phenomenal year. We're very excited. 
we are public. I think that's the other thing to note about us. And so happy to share a little bit about the journey of, of you know, why we did that versus just kind of staying the course and, and doing the private company thing, but uh, excited to get into the conversation. Uh, that's a, what, what a great intro there, Ian, and a million, million different directions we could go in there. But uh, I'm going to start off with maybe just talking broadly around um, authentication. And I, I know, you know, you, you mentioned you know, who your ideal clients are, or customers are, and um, you know, obviously they're, they're more security conscious people, but um, just, just to get your thoughts on, you know, you mentioned things like multi-factor authentication, right? And especially with the small and mid-sized business community, so many organizations still rely on sort of username and password, which is, you know, as you know, <laughs> a model, which is uh, uh, irretrievably broken and has been for many years. What's your advice for getting business owners or executives in the SMB space to sort of up their game, or at least help them realize that this isn't the you know this isn't the 1990s or you know the 1980s for that matter that they need to move to something which is a bit more adaptive from a, a risk based from an authentication perspective? Um, what's the best way of, of sort of bringing up their 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 game that way? Well, it's funny you mentioned the 1990s and 80s. I mean, passwords haven't changed since the 60s. So we're now in 2022, right? And and we're still relying on this outdated technology. By the way, that's that's fundamentally why we believe the approach that we have at Pluralock is is a, a paradigm shift compared to what's been done previously. Because we're going from this point in time authentication when you're just authenticating and proving who you are at nine o'clock in the morning, let's say. But there's no additional checks throughout the day. So anyway, that's obviously we're biased because we live and breathe this stuff. You know, it's a good question. What what can small business owners do? We we get this question a lot. Um, I, I'm regularly speaking to uh, communities of of entrepreneurs, business owners, etc. And um, one of the things that I think that you can do is very inexpensive is uh, use a different password everywhere. So why this matters is that there are uh, very common attacks which will use. It's called a password stuffing attack. They'll use data breaches. Um, where let's say that you were uh, you shopped at Home Depot, for instance, and Home Depot had a data hack and uh, bad guys were able to steal all the credentials from Home Depot. The bad guys will then uh, use those credentials that have been stolen from one hack and then they'll try those login and passwords against other sites. And so if you use the same password in Home Depot as, as your work, for instance, then potentially the bad guys can can log in as you. So that's called a password stuffing attack, and this happens um, at at web scale. Uh, I mean, these are not people trying one at a time. These are scripts and bots that are trying hundreds of thousands at a time. So the way you can defend against that is you use a different password everywhere. Now, how can you remember hundreds of passwords? Well, you can't, and so then the next suggestion is use a password manager. Doesn't matter what it is: Dashlane, LastPass, One Password. Um, you know, even the password manager in Chrome or Apple, the, which one you use is not important. The important part is just to use one. So if you comp- if you combine that with using a unique password, using a password manager, and then the third thing is anytime you have the option of using either two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication, and that's the technical term for when you get asked, do you want to get a text message with a, a six-digit code? That's what that is. That's That's multi-factor authentication. Anytime you have that option to you, turn it on. And uh, if you if you really want to be best in class, um, what you should do is is get a um, YubiKey, Y U B I K E Y. You can buy them on Amazon. They're not that expensive, and those are uh, a replacement for those text messages. They're very very strong. They're very good. And if you can do those things, you are you are dramatically going to decrease your risk 
um, of, of having your account compromised. And in a lot of cases, success means being slightly better than the other guy. So the old story, right? Two guys uh, are out in the woods. Uh, they see a bear. The first guy starts, uh, he takes his backpack off, starts lacing up his running shoes. Second guy says, what are you doing? You can't outrun the bear. First guy says, don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so, so true, Ian. Very, very true. So my question, Ian, with the, with the industries that you serve, and I would like to understand who they are, how do those initial conversations go? And what um, are the circumstances that your now clients who weren't clients at that stage, uh, what, what are the circumstances that they're in? Are there some common elements among them, uh, a common problem that they have of why they reach out to you? So a typical customer for us is going to be a mid-market to an enterprise organization. They could be commercial clients. They could also be um, federal clients um, or, or government clients. Um, generally speaking, there's, there's usually a, either a, an acute need, uh, which is a polite way of saying they just got hacked and they, they quickly need to do something about that. Um, or, or there is just more of an awareness that there's a, a degree of risk which is unacceptable to the business. And really, information security, InfoSec, is all about risk reduction. We are in the business of understanding risk and reducing risk. Um, it just so happens that the risk we're dealing with is, is information security risk. So um, compliance can be a driver. Um, certainly, healthcare organizations... Uh, you know, they're concerned about ransomware, just being able to access their systems. They're also very concerned about uh, somebody stealing or accessing patient data, right? Personal health information, PHI, or personally identifiable information, PII. Um, so these are forms of effectively regulated data that they need to uh, have controls in place to to protect and defend. Um, so, so, so compliance could be a driver. Uh, a recent breach could be a driver. Um, or it could just be uh, that that the organization is trying to stay ahead of a potential problem. And as a result, they, um, you know, they're moving to a, a zero trust architecture or they're, they're looking to implement uh, a new risk framework like 853, NIST 853, ISO 27001. So these are all common, um, common drivers for initiating the conversation. Once we're getting into that conversation, um, very, very common, I would say, for, for the business to be concerned about uh, the post-COVID work environment. Um, and so the new normal is that, sure, some people are in the office some of the times, but the majority or, or a or lion's share of the workforce is still working from home and or they are working remotely. Um, and so we, we actually just finished a webinar with, with AWS, Amazon Web Services, just earlier today. And we were going through some of the common threats uh, facing workforces. Uh, and so one of the common threats is the, uh, the snatch and grab threat, where you've got an employee working remotely, they're in Starbucks, and who hasn't seen... A, 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 an abandoned laptop on a Starbucks table as they went to the washroom, right? With, um, in fact, I've, I've seen a, a couple with uh, all of their crypto accounts open, right? Because the people were trading crypto at Starbucks and it was just open. Uh, and so you imagine if you're the business owner, I mean, I would be paranoid. I, I am paranoid. I'm terrified about somebody having their, their Plurlock laptop open at Starbucks and, you know, showing customer data. And uh, what's funny is that even if nothing quote, bad happens, even if that laptop doesn't get stolen, if, if the data is not accessed, if somebody doesn't put a USB stick in and copy data out, you actually have a data breach if somebody, if a, if a passerby 
looks at the screen and that screen is showing uh, you know, the medical records for a celebrity, like just imagine like, the, the kind of nightmare that would cause. So, so I'd say that the drivers um, are, are consistent. Uh, for us specifically, um, we're, we're, most of the conversations that we're in are dealing with remote work and, and really about get, gaining endpoint visibility. Um, because we are a solution that uh, we're able to look continuously throughout the workday, we provide a level of assurance um, that is far greater than traditional multi-factor authentication. And so that's very, very reassuring to, uh, to security teams to, to know that, look, nothing bad has happened and I have the data to prove nothing bad has happened. Um, we just recently uh, rolled out our, our Pluralock Defend product. This is our continuous authentication product to a pension fund. Um, and this was, this was notable because we, uh, we made an acquisition last year, a company called Aurora there in California. And uh, this pension fund was actually a customer of theirs, and so we cross-sold our high-margin software to to the uh, to the customer there, um, and they were able to deploy it in an afternoon within 48 hours. Uh, our machine learning algorithms had already built or fingerprinted the profiles for the employees, and uh, the IT manager there um, gave us a quote and said uh, it was accurate, and it, it ultimately provides him peace of mind. And so for us. That's what success looks like. If we can provide that level of assurance and give them peace of mind, um, we're uh, you know it's mission accomplished. That's very good. I had two questions lined up for you that you answered along the way, which is what sets you apart from from other companies. What's your what's your differentiator, and then also why does cybersecurity matter? Which is you know the title of our show. So you've done a fantastic job of that. There was a question that I think you wanted us to ask you, and I want to ask it is why did you decide to take the company public? Well, it, it's, it's a good question. I mean, the the typical software journey, whether you're in cybersecurity or not, is that you generally, you, you have an idea or you see a problem uh, in the market and you want to go solve it and you, you either bootstrap or you maybe raise some friends and family dollars. You try and build a product, you take it to market, you get some initial commercial traction, and then you have a fork in the road. And the fork of the road is you can stay... Um, small, you can bootstrap, you can, um, you know, grow by what you can sell, or you can raise venture dollars and, and VC capital. And certainly in the last, I think, 15 years or, or 18 years, whatever the last um, period of time where, where we've had a bull market uh, has been that uh, VC uh, capital has, has definitely accelerated a lot of businesses. What we found was that some of the characteristics around cybersecurity um, are that it's a very fragmented market. There's, there's no obvious, um, uh, you know, um, uh, main player you can go to to just get, get what you need done. Like if you, if you look at the advertising industry, if you're trying to advertise online, you go to Google and Facebook and that, you know, that gets you 95% of what you need to do. There's no equivalent to that in cybersecurity. You've got um, tons of large players. You've got a, a huge amount of small players. And what that means, what that creates in the environment is that it's extremely competitive to just get in front of that IT manager or that chief information security officer. Um, because even if you have the best product, the best solution that genuinely can solve problems, everybody else is saying the same thing. And so um, I regularly hear from, from security buyers that they are inundated. They cannot keep up with the amount of inbound. They're getting multiple calls per day from, from pushy vendors um, and usually that's after I've, I've called them in a fairly pushy way. So, so I, I recognize that, that these guys are, are inundated, but ultimately that creates a characteristic in the environment. 
And the characteristic here is that um, security buyers are looking to buy more products and solutions from less vendors. And they're looking to go to uh, consolidate their, their procurement as much as possible. And so the way that they do that is they, they partner with uh, resellers or value-added resellers, and they kind of go and say, look, here's the, here's the list of things I need. Can you just go do it? Uh, and, and, you know, I'll just buy through you. So that characteristic of the industry meant that we could do one of two things. Either we could compete with everybody else and we could try and get to those resellers and, and, and uh, you know, buy shelf space and, and do all that sort of thing, or we could just acquire those vendors. Um, and so we felt that, that rather than trying to build, we just opted to buy. Um, so we took the company public about two years ago. Uh, we've successfully made two acquisitions so far. Uh, we've, we've announced a third acquisition. Um, and, uh, and ultimately our, uh, our business strategy is to acquire profitable cybersecurity companies with great customers uh, we then seek to cross-sell our high-margin uh, software products through the distribution that we have acquired, uh, and then hopefully realize margin expansion. So there's there's a, a clear financial model there, um, but I think ultimately, uh, you know, we're we're zagging where a lot of people have zigged. You know, I think the again the common the common playbook was to uh, to, to just raise venture venture dollars and. Um, and we we have fairly grand aspirations, and, and we knew that we had to do something different uh, if we wanted to set ourselves apart from the rest. I love the whole notion of you know uh, bucking the trend. Don't don't do what everyone else is doing. And, and you know, Perlock and yourself, you know, you're, you're a Canadian success story, and I think it's uh, uh, absolutely incredible what what you have, have, have built there. And uh, it's, uh, we're we're very humbled and honored to have had you on the show today. And we're really grateful for the time you uh, you spent with us. Well, I appreciate it. Always, always happy to come back. And, you know, I think the other thing is if, if folks are, uh, if folks have a security problem, uh, you know, always happy to, to provide some, uh, some advice or a second opinion. Um, you know, we're, we're more in the business of, uh, of software sales. And so you don't have to, uh, you don't have to worry too much about trying to push uh, um, uh, services on you. So uh, people are welcome to, to reach out. Uh, Pluralock.com is the website. Um, P-L-U-R is the stock ticker on the TSX venture. Uh, and so always, always happy to, to connect. Uh, LinkedIn, I would say, is probably the, the best channel to reach me uh, and, and connect with us there. Awesome. Ian, that was absolutely fantastic. Thank you again for, for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Thank you so much, Ian. Thanks. Well, that was a brilliant conversation. I mean, uh, uh, Ian, Ian is someone, the type of person who could just speak so eloquently on this topic for probably hours and it'll just be for sure. so captivating. For sure. I almost felt like I didn't need to be here. <laughs> we didn't need to be here. You could have just taken the whole show. Could have been the Ian Patterson <laughs> show. Yeah. What was one of maybe your, your key takeaways? Yeah, I know my question was around, you know, why do people reach out to them? And it's like, you know, unacceptable uh, level of risk or acute risk, meaning they've been hacked or they just want to get ahead of the problem. So that, I thought that was very insightful. I, I think it's really fantastic. Like, and they've taken the, their authentication paradigm and have tried to really move beyond passwords, you know, compared to a lot of their competitors, which are just extending the lifespan of, of the password uh, authentication model. So uh, we're very grateful to, to Ian uh, and the team there at Pluralock for uh, having him come on the show today. Um, as always, a special thank you to our loyal uh, viewers and listeners who join us each and every week. Uh, if you did miss a previous episode, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters uh, YouTube page uh, and or check out previous episodes on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, but until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Mm-hmm.